at the end of the day, it's always going to be the human that's the weakest link. So I don't think they're the weakest link. I think that the humans are the greatest strength if enabled properly. So if you click on a link and it's got malware on it, sorry, it's got a cred harvester, if that leads to your company going down, that is not a human failing in the sense of the human that's in, interacting with the, the phishing email. That is a organizational governance and society failing for enabling people to build this stuff and give it to people and operate it in a way that is so dangerous. Welcome, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us on another episode of The Pivot with Maltego. Joining us today is uh, Daniel Card out of the UK. Hey, Daniel, how's it going? Uh, tell us what's uh, what's making you crack open today. Uh, well, today I'm, I'm in the middle of a mission to download the internet, um, which is obviously a bit of a weird thing to try and do, uh, and a bit of a joke because I'm not actually trying to download the entire internet, but uh, currently... Would not be surprised... <laughs> Well, I, I haven't done the math to work out where, like what we need to do that, right? Um, but I'm looking at like uh, large-scale, high-speed uh, internet intelligence gathering. And uh, we've just been downloading uh, a million... Well, we've been sending a request to, uh, I say the top, um, but like the top one million uh, domain names. And we're looking at what speed different tools get and then... I've written some really bad PowerShell, um, like really bad, um, but I got quite a good speed compared to like HTTPS. And then my friend Lars has been helping me and he's writing a Go version. Um, and we're getting like, we can, we're looking at rates of downloading around, like hitting a million sites in around the, the 40 minute mark. Um, Maybe less. I think it was 37 minutes his last run was. And we're putting um, we're putting servers in different places. So uh, we're looking at what we can do uh, in, from a sort of monolithic point of view, as opposed to building out a scaled out infrastructure or using functions as a service. So we're, we're seeing what we can do for fast paced uh, intelligence gathering to support uh, essentially country level or large organizations, cyber defenses. Uh, and to understand security postures at scale. So that, that's what I've been doing for the last... I'm, I'm not going to try and remember how long I've been doing it for. Maybe the last couple of days, I haven't shaved, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I should probably go outside at some point. But So we went from like zero to 100 there. What what, what made you guys even come about doing this? Oh, uh, so I think it was last week. Bear with me on times because um, sometimes time runs away or doesn't. Um, there was some. There was someone tweeting around uh, Killnet launching denial of service attacks against local authorities in the UK, and it looked like someone doctored a screenshot. And um, I sat there and I was like, "Okay, is it real? Valid? Is it you know possible? Obviously, you know, knocking some stuff offline is actually quite easy." Uh, and then I was like, "Okay, well, how do we?" 
make sure that we've got the right intelligence to be able to validate Intel, right? Um, so I was like, cool, can I, uh, can I, how quickly can I actually check whether a site's online? Uh, and I've done work around this before using monitoring tools. But I was like, okay, well, most stuff comes with a high overhead. And you need, if you're looking at like HTTP monitoring and service monitoring, you need a lot of context. So I was like, well, how do you do it if you don't have a lot of context? So uh, I then screenshotted, say, I can't remember the numbers, but thousands of websites. I just uh, use a headless browser and uh, took screenshots of every page. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, how fast can we do something multi-threaded in PowerShell? And can we check security.txt, which is a file that people can put on their web servers? So that if a security researcher um, or like um, a cert of a country, if, if they need to contact the security people, they've got a way of finding out who that is. Um, so I started doing scanning for that security text file. Uh, which has got, as, as, as expected, a really low level of adoption. So, uh, but it was just really looking at like really wide, broad internet, active, um, active enumeration uh, in a passive and legal, or not passive, in a in a in a you know an, uh, in a, in a friendly manner that is just your web web browser hitting off a request rather than uh, anything else. So that was what sort of led into the uh, how fast can we scan and what resources do we need and how what kind of money uh can you do it at so what can you do if you're at different grades of defender organization and then different grades of attacker so that we can see like what could a bored teenager do on a residential line with a thousand pound laptop scaling up to what can you do when you've got a credit card and, and cloud services and money isn't too important from a uh, from that perspective so that's kind of the <laughs> that's what i've been looking at so it, it's like an experiment like uh, like like this kid uh, a couple of years ago tried to scan the entire internet and yeah. just find out what's open what's not open and try to get in into certain well, places but you're actually doing something for, for for a research perspective yeah 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 so like i'm not trying to break in anywhere uh i'm not doing port scanning i'm just literally doing okay. um uh, HTTP GET requests. So I'm visiting a website. I'm obviously not visiting millions of them, but the, the code we're running is visiting the site. It's and then doing a, like a number of things. Like we can read the responses. We can read the the error codes that they return. We can look at the TLS, um, the encryption exchange between uh, the client and then the server we're connecting to. Uh, we can look at the DNS metadata. Um, and the uh, IP metadata, and then look at the response of the pages. So what I've had is also while I'm doing this, again, this is this was like snowballed off of a, <laughs> a quick idea. Um, as we've been like writing the responses to disk, uh, I've been doing it on Windows Box. And Windows Defender on some sites is going off. So we're finding potentially evidence of malware on websites by just doing this, like visiting them. Um, there's obviously, I haven't validated that, so I've got no idea if they're false positives or string, like incorrect string matches. But basically it's, uh, you know, I've now got a list of sites that's quite long, uh, not, not compared to a million, obviously, but 
uh, there's quite a few sites that have pinged up with various different types of malware from uh, crypto miners um, some bad redirects to malicious sites etc uh, and I, we haven't done any analysis on the data that's literally just been windows defender saying once you've cached that page uh, and downloaded it as a file it's scanned it and then it's popping up saying you know uh, there's a detection hit oh that's really interesting so uh... Okay, so I, I think my first question will be, where did you get this list of websites? And second, what are you doing with these websites that are triggering these alerts? Uh, I got them from the internet. <laughs> um, I think I've walked into that one. Yeah, like, no, no, but like the, uh, it was the Alexa top 1 million, I think. But essentially, um, through various research projects and activities, I've got lots of data around lists of sites, like generating I think one of the things is I do a lot of uh, attack surface management for work and I do a lot of um, working with organizations to understand their internet surface uh, and I've done stuff at country level scale so like uh, generating data and scanning and, and, and understanding things there's a few different approaches to this one of which is like take IP spaces and go raw and just start spraying everything I don't tend to do that unless it's like an authorized specific thing that I'm looking for with some scope scope yeah 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 but also like there's a, a bit, there's a lot of IP space that I don't care about uh, and I mean I don't care that someone's house might you know someone's home router might get pwned uh, I just like my focus on what I look for is stuff that could be country affecting that could be serious like harm affecting um I try and look at stuff that's uh how do we help enable business and uh, academ uh, academia and like, healthcare and government and uh, you know big stuff? It's like we probably don't want to have that exposed online. Um, so like I don't tend to just like port scan on mass huge parts of the internet. Uh, I also won't do random connections depending on what I'm doing because I don't want people like. A, I don't want to set off any IPSs, and B, uh, you know, sometimes you want to be a bit more stealthy about what you're looking into, right? So, sure, yeah. um, so I tend to take the approach of doing like human-based asset discovery and uh, doing a lot of research, right? Really, this is what everyone hates doing. Like people are like, oh, okay, I want to start scanning and I want to start getting code running. And I'm like, I want to start understanding what I'm looking at first. So I tend to do like lots of DNS uh, enumeration, go to passive data sources like passive DNS, uh, getting stuff from certificate logs, um, like the certificate transparency logs, using platforms like Shodan. Uh, this is where I'm working a bit of Multigo and stuff. And uh, I'll start in getting data sources where I'm not sending packets particularly, other than to the like, service providers. Um, and I'll try and build up a picture of what I'm looking at and why I'm looking at it. And then I'll go and look. With, with the one million, I just, we grabbed that because I was like, well, we need to baseline something and I don't want to be setting off grey noise or any honeypots and I don't want to be noisy on the internet, which is obviously a bit counter to a statement for when you're looking at a million sites uh, in, in a short space of time. But I'm trying to be like considerate to what I'm doing. Uh, but the, the, the million seemed like a good idea, right? There's a million top sites from Alexa uh, or some other marketing sources that we can get how quickly can we send like a really small you know exactly get a web browser to visit the site uh 
Um, and then what can we do with the data? What comes back? The, the, the stumbling across the defendant de detections was totally uh, not, uh, it wasn't a planned for thing, right? Um, it, it happened depending on what method that was being used. If I did a curl request uh, and uh, curl doesn't have a JavaScript enabled like parser, so it just gets the raw HTTP data back and it will spit out probably a small file. Whereas when you visit with a web browser that's got JavaScript and CSS and uh, all these parsing engines in, the web servers return different content. So I found a marked difference that when I was using a, uh, a library that was basically a browser versus uh, just HTTP as a protocol, uh, that's what kicked off Defender. And then the more I've scanned, the more detections I've got. So uh, it then goes to, well, are they real? What sites are we detecting them on? Are they important? <laughs> As in, I'm sure they're important to the people whose sites they are or the visitors, but like, do they look like stuff that is, you know, more risky? And then obviously, uh, then it goes into like notifying people. Um, so it's complicated. The finding stuff on the internet is really quick in the grand scheme of things. I actually put a tweet out today, like with a diagram saying like, Here's the scanning and discovery part. And I say it's quick, right? It can take days and weeks, but it can be like minutes, hours, days, weeks, maybe months, right? But largely speaking, it's you can do stuff in, in a really short period of time. If you find something, and this is the same whether you find something from research or whether you find something from a, a work point of view, largely speaking, what do you do with it? Yep. Is it a real thing? Is it important? Will someone else care? It might be interesting, but it might not be important to someone else or it might be important to yourself. And then you've got to go find someone to tell. So do you contact an organization directly? Do you, you know, look for the security.txt, which is hardly as ever there? Um, do you see if they've got a bug bounty program? Do you see if they've got a vulnerability disclosure policy? <laughs> And then if, let's say you find someone and then you've got to have a conversation with them, you know, and again, how do you do that? Do you need to have OPSEC considerations and personal security considerations? Um, do you need to obviously, you know, be mindful of what you found, how you found it, what, what and how you're reporting it to someone? Because this can get, this can get messy, right? That, that's what I was about to branch off onto. Like, I can't imagine what your reporting must look like. With the scale and report. depth of what you're getting into, I largely don't um, do private sector reporting unless it's something that's on, uh, you know, significant. And then I'll usually tend to ask on Twitter, etc. I've got a friend, if I'm honest. Like if it's a public org and I find something, I, I won't uh, personally. I won't contact the orgs unless it's like really bad, because it's uh, it's just painful. It's a, it costs a lot of money. It's time consuming, and sometimes people really don't respond well. I'm lucky so far, touch wood. I've not had any of the really negative consequences. Yeah. Um, but I've had I've got friends who, you know, you find something, they report them in good faith, and, uh, and then you've got lawyers or police knocking on your door. Uh, and I personally haven't got the time for that. How often um, has that happened, though? What's that? How often has that happened? To my friends, more often than it should. Yeah. Um. 
obviously it sounds stupid i don't ask everyone right but there's there's like public cases of my mates um and there's been issues with the cma there's been legal people involved there's been police involved and, uh, the, the law hasn't caught up with the technology and society doesn't really understand like cyber security if i'm honest uh, from my perspective um it's really fast paced it's really uh, it's like it's like worrying about everything with a microscope and everyone else just wants to be up in a plane so the the, the, the two different views of the world, uh, you know, I, we look at stuff and we want to put a million microscopes everywhere and try and find the vulnerabilities, try and find the baddies, try and find um, ways to help keep people secure. And, and most people just want to log into TikTok and like watch a video. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting topic because, uh, for example, even in even in Germany, in and I think it's some other parts of Europe as well, it's illegal to scan and finger websites and domains essentially so you well i've heard of uh, situations where you know you have police knocking on people's doors because they were just curious yeah i mean again uh i'm really specific with what i ever look for right um and i use loads of passive sources of data but yeah i mean you've got to be it's weird I want to be careful how I phrase this. People should be considerate and careful and look and legal, right? Um, but also, we also need to educate people in how this works, because the the criminals are scanning and doing whatever they want, twenty four seven, three six five. We run honey honeypot networks, and I can find like pretty serious organized crime quite quickly. Getting rid of it—that's a different question, but like. Yeah. I don't think people know exactly how the internet works. Some people and their marketing stuff, right? Sorry for all the marketing people that do this, but like, they're like, a bazillion cyber attacks occurred. And I'm like, it's not a bazillion, is it? It's one. They may have sent you to two million packets, but that's one actor. Mm. So like, trying to define what is and isn't a cyber attack, what is uh, an event, what's an incident, and how to put metrics. Like, marketing people go mental with this. I don't really understand it I, I, because it becomes a game of one-upmanship, right? Um, so trying to work out, like, I'm already cautious with what I do uh, and I'm really purposeful with what I'm looking for, if that makes sense. <clears throat> because I do, don't think people from a policymaker through to a personal person really quite gets how this works. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there is risk. Uh, and I'm hoping that at some point the UK government uh, and other governments, but the UK government uh, reform and change the Computer Misuse Act um, so that we are both enabled to defend the country, do research and, you know, do business. Like there are, there are commercial implications of laws prohibiting basically benign passive actions. So, and also, you know, uh, bear with me, I, I'm not a lawyer, but like, if I write a bit of software for a search to ransomware a computer that I own, that shouldn't really be illegal, but it probably would be under the Computer Machines Act as it's written. Yeah. So I mean, it's... <laughs> it's how you interpret it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong, right? Like, um, some people are idiots, man. Like, I've had people send me DMs, and I'm talking to my friends, I'm talking about random people. 
Um, I've had people send me screenshots or, or photos of them throwing exploits around the internet. And I'm like sitting there going like, why would you, I don't want to know that you're doing that. Well, I do want to know, but like, don't, why would you send it to me? It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so it is, it's, it's, it's a weird landscape in the sense of all of this stuff comes with, uh, like, however you do stuff. If you're gathering intelligence, if you're doing like penetration testing, if you're doing like defensive work, if you're doing architecture, all of this stuff is sensitive in the sense of we are able to get large amounts of intelligence like around organizations, around countries, around people, around groups, around software, and then there's all the confidentiality. There's you know, there's there's just a lot of sensitive information, right? And even stuff that people think is benign might not be when you chuck it all together. Connect the dots, yeah. You don't really want uh, an enumeration map of, say, a country to be just sitting on the internet for someone to pick up and go, oh, look, there's all these ports exposed. Now, you also don't want to try and have everything through obscurity, right? So, like, you can go on Google, you can go on Shodan, you can go on Census, on Binary Edge. You can, uh, I won't remember every single search engine that's available, but this stuff exists. So there's also the people need to understand that if it's already there and if you've got an insecure server exposed, making someone aware of that doesn't change the game. If no one published, say, a blog about it, the server's still there. The bad guys are still hitting it. The difference is if we hide everything is that we don't enable people to change policy, get investment and drive forward better um essentially a better humanity civilization way of working with technology if we just ignore it all and say oh only the bad guys care about that um it needs to be done from a benefiting people's perspective uh, and people need to have their eyes opened a little bit because I, I don't think i don't think people realize how the world is i think they have a, a hollywood image of it i think they have uh, an abstracted image as well because uh, my missus said this to me the other day Dan, if most people knew all the stuff that you and your friends know, they probably wouldn't like, <laughs> they probably wouldn't be so happy every day. Um, she said, you know, it, would, it must drive people nuts. I don't know if she was making a point there about the uh, about me being nuts, but um, it's difficult, right? Like in the security world, you are looking at, at, at negative stuff a lot. I mean, I, yep. I'm lucky. I, I don't have to really go near um, the really bad stuff, right? Like, some people have to go through a lot of lot of dirt um, and, and this came up the other day I think where the if the idea like, I don't call myself an ethical hacker I'm not like I don't even know what it means um, the idea that you can do all this stuff and not look inside the dark parts of the internet is it, it doesn't work, does it? It's like saying, I know what, I need to be able to defend against an army that have got swords, and I haven't worked out that shields exist. Um, and so we're, we're not going to get a sword and and, work, and defend against it. We're just going to, you know, hope that it works. And I, I think that's really bad analogy, but um, 
I think people need to realize like how this actually works in practice in terms of you know if you want to defend against malware you need to be writing malware if you want to be defending against cyber attacks you need to be attacking stuff you need to be attacking and defending and learning not only do you need to be doing that based on what we know that um threat actors are doing but we also need to be doing that against stuff that they aren't doing because we don't know everything there's a huge visibility gap right you've got what people, um, I could use the Donald Run film uh, analogy, but you've got what people can see and you've got different companies like uh, AV providers and DNS providers and ISPs and you've got lots of telemetry, but you've also got what, there's a gap and also they're disparate and siloed, right? So not everyone is going to share their data and not everyone is going to build the same picture when they smash different data sources together. Um, and there is no omnipotence on the internet. I mean, you can send a, a cat GIF and it could be malware and no one could know about it. You might have a novel technique. Um, so I think it's important that people understand the kind of research that's needed. Uh, but, you know, we need people to be doing this, right? And people do do it. There's a, a community. Uh, yeah, I think I think most of the successful organizations in security and, in, and who are actually... <clears throat> confidently securing themselves are doing exactly what you said they're attacking themselves they're researching themselves they're looking at their vulnerabilities and, and weak spots to make sure that they have their shields up so to speak yeah and, and that's the juxtaposition between uh, I, I say it's the 90 percent. 90 percent of organizations that i look at do not do this right mm -hmm. despite what marketing says security postures are quite weak globally uh, in most organizations they're quite weak uh, it doesn't matter from my experience and i've been doing this stuff for a while right I've, I've visited hundreds and hundreds of companies and i've traveled around the world to some places so hopefully my view is is fairly representative obviously i, I don't know everything um, and i haven't worked with every single vertical in every organization there is just, you know there's differences regulated orgs sometimes are better um not always like i don't think there's any particularly like a label i could put in where i said oh do you know what i've been to this organization and that's been amazing or this like sector and i think people have a, a, a sort of again this goes back to my hollywood i call it the jason Bourne effect but people are like oh banks never have security problems <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> mm -hmm where did you get that idea from or like governments don't have problems like or military cyber doesn't have problems and i'm yeah. like what and i see people say stuff and i you know i do this stuff a lot and i, I sit there sometimes and I'm like how did you get this idea and it's that assumption that someone's doing it that it's okay because magic and we don't have magic we have science we have finite resources we have finite skills, we've got finite motivations, etc. And the only way to solve this stuff is A, to tackle the human society part of conversation, right? If it's bad, people need to be told that it is the way it is. And if we need to improve it, which I think we do, then we need to say that and we need to set in path like policies and, and mindsets that, that say, okay, well, we need to invest. We need to, you know, I don't want schools to be vulnerable. I don't want hospitals to be vulnerable. And, and they are. Yep, they are. It's interesting that you say that because just this morning I was looking at a, um, 
free cybersecurity learning resources yeah. because it's always interesting to see what's available out there <clears throat> and i'm very I'm, i'm always interested to see what else is coming into the cti world like what other resources are coming up or are there any fees that we can you know get connected to believe it or not one of the courses were specializing in human communications it's i, I think i think it's um definitely one of those angles that are lacking with a, with a lot of practitioners but let, let me let me flip uh something you said around so you've you've seen many different parts of the world you've traveled to many different companies is there something common within the companies that are actively you know uh, employing methodologies to secure themselves uh contractual obligation <laughs> i'm kidding you not right like literally yeah. the driving force in most scenarios i see is a contractual requirement to meet security posture x is what drives um organizational change has been my experience right um and i'm saying that that is not always the case i look at a lot of contracts i look at a lot of security postures i can tell you that they don't always align right mm-hmm. um i i think really it's like understanding and i think it's understanding that you, you don't do security in isolation if you do it's just the cost if you do it's just friction if you do it won't be aligned relevant and probably suitable for the business outcome right or the organizational outcomes you're going for it has to be taken from a a quality safety risk perspective you know operational uh, operational excellence is being secure if you're not doing it well and the user experience isn't good and you're not getting the business outcomes is security adding value is everything always about oh my god we need to stop the baddies yeah of course we do we need to stop them like but security to me isn't that it's everything it's got to be like whole of um whole of society whole of life whole of organization um you know it needs to be about excellence if you have an excellently operated and managed system it will be secure probably again it depends on the inputs right if you have no security input and knowledge and uh, experience thrown in then it could be really efficient it just might have uh, you know yeah, a leaky bucket but largely that's how i see the difference is if you care about quality and if you care about um the details and you've got a motivating uh reason from a business perspective and organizational perspective to do it well and it's really hard because the words i'm using are like are quite hard to define and we could talk about maturity assessment but really you're not asking what looks good from an abstract point of view you need to be asking what looks good for my company what keeps me safe what keeps my team safe what keeps my brand safe what keeps my customers safe how does my supply chain fit into this how do, how does this work with the organization or with you know the mm-hmm. you know if it's not business like how does it work from a personal level i i ask people randomly i get in a taxi i'm like do you use a password manager which obviously everyone's thinks I'm a weirdo like but most people do I mean, not that would be a weird question like you get into a taxi hey, can you get can you take me to piccadilly and oh by the way do you use a password manager <laughs> you know what's weird though people say what do you do and sometimes i just like right i'll just say i work in marketing um 
and <laughs> and other times if i tell people like, like sometimes i'm like oh cool, i work in it sometimes i'm like oh cool, i'm a cybersecurity consultant and it depends on the person right and all of the bad stuff all the stuff like you'll see the ncsc put this stuff out loads like set passphrases use a password manager enable mfa right you that would be like the the message that the industry the market the security services like that is like everyone's i don't mean this in a negative way beating everyone over the head with this message right yeah the percentage of adoption for these things is low most people that i've been like randomly interviewing etc and looking through breach data etc like people's passwords are rubbish we go and do password audit mm -hmm. for organizations and you're like what like they are you know our cracking rates that we're getting are horrendous like there's a there's a debate in the security community about whether you should do password auditing because obviously the, the risks that that creates uh, but i'm firmly in the point of uh you do what works for the organization and if you're dumping their ad and their passwords are all like uh, monday one exclamation mark that's a problem and you, but you go yeah. into people's personal lives and you, uh, again I, I i don't try and like batter my friends around the head with this stuff like people's personal security and their personal use of technology is shocking like mm -hmm. and i'm talking about their individual with families like kids are being given phones and and laptops with no controls on them so yep. they can get anywhere on the internet like it's, it's difficult so we've got this like complete whole of society whole of like whole of life challenge and we put technology out in the world really fast, right? I've got a video diagram I made, and it's like it's got my date of birth on it as well. Okay, so I want to share it. Like it's like it says, like in the um, like up to like the seventies and eighties, tech growth, like from a you know computing point of view, was like that, and then it, then it's like this, and it's faster and faster, and it goes everywhere. You you can't like trying to operate off grid is really difficult so everything's an app i mean sure right you want to yeah. get this it's an app you want to check the weather you don't even go to a weather website anymore you got it on an app so that's where the tech the, the adoption versus security issues come in as well and i'm i'm you know uh, we i speak to quite a few people quite often about um security audits and what are they doing about password audits and if if you look into into breach data and just password dumps and you and you look at where those actual breaches are from a specific domain or organization it's scary actually how bad these passwords are you know the first three letters of every <laughs> of every row of the keyboard is like the most famous one or like password one you know yeah yeah and, and it's uh, like path don't, don't get me wrong people are like our oh, passwords are dead i hate all of the like, expressions about things being dead because I was told ransomware was dead and it's not and it doesn't work that way technology change at a protocol and found foundational level is a much longer change than let's all leave twitter to jump on a different social media platform like mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't work that way so like passwords are going to be around for a long time now the people's passwords are rubbish now i've got a lock kit right um and I sit there going, like, how do you set up a device really badly? It's really easily. And like, I won't name names because I can't remember them, but 
if you want to sign up for the usual suspects of social media and getting online and being a digital person, um, I've been setting up socks and I'm like, man, this is a really shit password. Like, and you can set stuff up where it's like, it's really easy to get an account somewhere with a weak password with just generally making your digital life mm-hmm. frictionless, right? And then when you add this stuff in, which is the, the point I was trying to get to, is like, password managers are difficult. I, I don't care what someone says. Like, you tell someone to install KeyPassX and then to have it stored in your Dropbox and then have it synced to your devices or even just to sign up for like a, a one password or last pass or um, I can't remember the bloody ones, but like, this stuff is difficult, man. And then you've got MFA. Don't start me on this, right? Because like MFA, it's great. Then lock yourself out and then lose your recovery codes and then get compromised on your email and, and break down what's going to happen to someone. And it all starts to be a bit annoying. Yeah. So again, it's like, don't get me wrong, I've got MFA and I haven't got MFA on every account. I've got like some accounts I don't care. Like, uh, but I've got MFA on a lot to the point where when MS uh, and Google Authenticator and MS Authenticator and stuff, they've got a search feature now. So I was like super over the moon um, because I'm sitting there scrolling through, like you've got one minute to enter in an MFA code and you're like, crap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I get this. <laughs> So what, what I'm getting at is it's still really difficult to operate in a secure manner. Yeah. Things are not yeah. secure by default. Um, and I don't think that we've done, like, I don't think there haven't been improvements. There absolutely have, right? We've, like, there's amazing work that people are doing uh, in big companies, in small companies, like on the streets, as it were. But it's still really difficult. We're not where I think people say we are, right? I, I put stuff on, on, on Twitter, as people will probably know, but, like, I'm like, there is no Gandalf smashing his, like, rod down and saying, you know, you shall not pass. It, there aren't magic cybersecurity shields that suddenly appear from nowhere. This is a, this is not the way that, you know, you don't just deploy a, an appliance and then everything is done. It's a real human-led change process. And when you think about, like, how do we change it? It's got to be with, don't get me wrong, I'm a massive technologist. We've got to be doing it with a human-centric view and getting the technology right. You know, I hate this phrase now because it's been around for too long. But um, people are always saying about people, process, and technology, and, and you know, it, all, it does need to have the right mix of things, right? If you go too heavy in one way or the other, it, it goes wrong. If you just, like, if you just do security awareness training, you're asking someone, uh, this, this annoys the hell out of me, don't click it if you don't recognize the source. Well, I'm in sales, so I don't recognize the source of loads of my emails. Yep. It looks suspicious, don't click it. Everything looks suspicious. What doesn't look suspicious? I mean, the amount of marketing emails and bank emails I get that look like they could be phishing. And then there's like the technical vulnerability scale of it. We're telling people to do the impossible Right. And it's like there's a lot of emphasis on awareness training. It's in every compliance requirement. And I sit there going like, I don't care if someone clicks a link. Cool. Go ahead. I design the system so well, you know, again, nothing's infallible. I work with companies and I'm like, cool. Like 
I'm not saying that I want people to like purposely collect stuff that looks really stupid. We can't be giving people computer systems and saying, use it properly, otherwise your whole organization could get ransomware. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, even, even for kids, it all comes down to education. I mean, what looks suspicious in an email? I mean, you need to actually tell people, like, at least look at the font. You know, it's the most, at least for me, that's one of the easiest things to, 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 to pick out. But it's, but I mean, we did, we did some stuff on Twitter the other day and um, uh, like people got involved in doing this. So we were putting uh, Cyrillic and Unicode and I put up stuff that was my name and you couldn't tell, right? And what, this is only, I'm not saying people, again, I'm not saying people should operate in a silly manner. That would be silly. But why are we trying to put all the cognitive load on people? Your security is okay if yeah. Jane or John checks a font. What they need to do is to get an email, copy it, paste it into an OFE, chuck it into CyberChef, go and use uh, <laughs> a load yeah. of enrichment tools, get a magnifying glass out and, and make sure it's okay. It's nonsense. No, exactly. That's what I was saying. Like, about, like, who uh, does this? Well, no, no. Look, being funny if you're on a telephone cool or if you're like i'm not doing this now right but like say if someone emailed me or a customer like pinged me a dm and it's like urgent need to do this right you might be doing two things at once and you might be like oh click and then you might be like oh that, that i need creds oh here's my creds it happens it's it's i don't know like we've definitely from my perspective we talk a lot about human-centric security, but I don't think we've got there. I think there's a lot of effort spent with comms, which is great. We need that. Don't get me wrong. You absolutely cannot hide in a cupboard and do this stuff. Um, however much some of us would like to do that. But it doesn't matter. Like, there needs to be a reality check of, like, we can't ignore the fundamental vulnerabilities that we are playing with here and that you know if we put too much on the human a it's boring and people get, i mean I'm, people must get bored right well that or it's a lack of care right I, I think you can't at the end of the day it's always going to be the human that's the weakest link so i don't think they're the weakest link i think that the humans are the greatest strength if enabled properly so if you click on a link and it's got malware on it. Uh, sorry, oh, you, like, it's got a cred harvester. If that leads to your company going down, that is not a human failing in the sense of the human that's in, interacting with the, the phishing email. That is a organizational governance and society failing for enabling people to build this stuff and give it to people and operate it in a way that is so dangerous. Does that make sense? So, like, I, I don't think that, I mean, like I said, I, I, I take the view of, cool, like, click, go ahead. Like, if our controls and if our technology and if our processes and our response capabilities and our monitoring and, and, and everything, if they're not able to cope with people clicking links, they're screwed. Because yeah. some point... At some point in time, accidents happen. Um, someone was, I think it was my friend Danny, but like someone was saying about the, the phrasing, so I'll probably get this like wrong, but in the sense of 
there's three laws that, that I've seen years ago. It's like hardware fails, software has bugs, humans make mistakes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think we can like, to me, it's like, cool. I, I accept that. I know stuff breaks. I try and design solutions that are resilient to those laws. Um, and most networks you go into are really not, right? Like if you get into someone's network, you, you can usually roam around free, undetected and unchallenged. It's getting harder. Like as more organizations deploying endpoint detection response, as more organizations are seeing the negative impact, and it's huge, right? I won't try and quote the numbers, but the, the cybercrime numbers are insane. It's growing. Money impact is yeah. significant, right? So we are seeing like a massive change in that aspect. But, uh, you know, I just audited, we did like 10 different active directories, every one of them within 15 minutes of running, like after doing two minutes of scanning stroke discovery and 15 minutes of one cup of tea, I'm like, cool, right, we can attack you this way and probably get domain admin and probably ransomware your company. Uh, it's scary. I mean, it's scary. It, it's. Um, I think people really underestimate uh, what uh, what can be done, and also together with that, like the hackers' mentality, or let's say the malactors' mentality. You know, I don't like to yeah. use the word hacking or hackers because it, it's becoming a bad word. I, I mean, uh, I mean, I've, I've honest, there, right? the. It's what to me it's like whatever works i am not overly pedantic always sometimes i go insane obviously because you know nerds um yeah. <laughs> i know <laughs> what right. you mean i know what you mean i'm not i'm not i'm, I'm the last person not to laugh at that i mean uh, far oh, we do. We like, and I, this is one of the things i look at the a number of people doing uh cyber security work and how many people are in the it and i'm talking globally i look at numbers right or try and look at numbers it's not like someone's drawn a map for us in the world of this and i'm like we are the thin end of the wedge right we are like and we are funny it's like don't get me wrong you know i mean this in a really positive way like we have some really diverse people's thinking i mean you know i get called crazy a little bit right like and we need that we need people thinking out of the box we need to take different views and perspectives and we, and we need to be experimenting and doing you know stupid things like uh, what are you doing this week dan well i'm going to download the internet right um we we need that to be able to build a resilient like society to build defenses to get the right balance of investment and the right policies the right laws the right enablements from people spending on research and then people spending in industry and all of this like entire life view because that is you know tech is everywhere i'm trying to think of what you can do now without being on a computer and i don't mean like obviously you can go for a, you can go for a walk without being on a computer but you've probably got a phone in your pocket if you get on a like a bus you're gonna be tapping a, a contact this card if you go and buy something you know try and operate without touching computers and you won't get very far so it's like these aren't everywhere and we have done a, a great job from a functional point of view and a shockingly bad job as humanity from a security point of view 
and it's coming home to bite us in the arse. Um, yeah. If you look at like the the medical data breaches, like the advanced breach um, in the UK, that, that's had awfully not a lot of noise on there, and it should really do because potentially that's a lot of sensitive mental health data, or you know, or, or even wider than that. Um, and in Australia, they've obviously had uh, a breach recently of medical data, and, and mm-hmm. it's a problem. And uh, you know, I'm saying about people getting bored. Maybe bored's the wrong word to use, but like people are getting pwned every day. Yep. And we risk. We, we have this risk as well with uh, if we aren't communicating effectively from a industry, from a society, from a marketing perspective essentially everyone's just gonna be like i don't care and i talk to people like normal people right like not not cyber nerds uh sometimes and um and a lot of people say to me i don't care they can have my data i don't care they've got it all anyway i don't you know like i'm like what do you really want someone having that information on you and it isn't they don't care they don't care at that point in time they would care if they had negative consequences to it Correct. And that's the difference, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's never going to happen to me. And then it happens. And then people panic and people are not happy. And it's horrible, right? Like, you know, I had a family member ring me recently and they're like, oh, I've done this. I'm like, cool. Like, is this the same password for everything? And they're like, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, right, cool. Let's go through and change it. And they've got like a lot of accounts. So, like, I don't know. Like, I think the. Understanding what the real world of the internet is like is really important, right? I do think people have a very warped view and they think a cyber army is going to come and save the day. And, and uh, I think that people need to understand what happens in reality on the internet. I think, you know, I think society has this view of control and we use it a lot in the infosec world, the word controls. And you know what humans are really bad at doing? Controlling other humans, right? <laughs> So, like, the way people work on the internet, the way people work in humanity is not necessarily how someone's policy or control statement describes, right? So, it is about understanding that delta between what you think the world works like, what you'd like the world to look look like, and then how the world actually operates. I think we've got a big big gap in some of that. So, I think getting this stuff right is difficult... um, yeah, you know, you know what bugs me the most though. So I had a couple of friends who were uh, <clears throat> who live in Australia. So I I was talking to these guys about the about the breach, and I, I was sending them, you know, alerts from the companies that have been breached. And um, the crazy part is, I didn't see any of these guys taking responsibility of not securing this data. Everything's about hunting the bad guys, but no one coming out and saying we messed up you know they use words like oh we're devastated to find this out and we're shocked that this has happened like guys why didn't you i mean isn't it a bit too late to be saying these words what were you doing all this time you were you did have all this people's data telephone numbers pass uh passport numbers license numbers everything you know addresses phone numbers everything's in there what were you doing all this time until waiting to now to say, oh, we're devastated by the, by the turn of events. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah, and, and this is like that's re- I, I'd really like that point, Brad, because 
one of the things that I, I work in like offensive and defensive security, right? So, uh, and like, you, there's loads of names for everything in the world as always. I don't really care about labels so much, but like, there is not the focus globally on defense. And I, when I say defense, I mean cyber defending of organizations that I think there is, there should be. I think the CTI world is obsessed with chasing, uh, bears and pandas and, uh, yeah. you know, putting together like cartoons and stuff. And I don't mean that as in, this is not a slum CTI as a, as a, as a practice, right? Cause the practice is cool. Yeah. The industry, not so sure. Right. Sometimes I think to myself, like given that for a cyber defensive world to exist, a cyber offensive world must also exist. And therefore industries that thrive on crime, it, it's, it does beg a question of like, what? why isn't there real conversations about country level attack services why are there not honest conversations about what systems are like it took uh, it took me like a few cups of tea everything gets measured in tea right uh, a few cups of tea and i'm sitting there going like i think that the service was probably designed like this i can grab video and i'm like cool there's tender documentation there's public reports there's snippets of information all this stuff that you know there's metadata that I can look at and I can genuinely reverse engineer what someone's environment looked like when, when, when even just from the news saying there's been a ransomware attack. And I'm like, cool, it's running 2012 R2. It's running this storage platform. I'm like, and I'm looking at the, the tender contracts and stuff. And I'm like, there's no way that's been modernized. There's no way that's been secured because it's, there's money in these things. Right. And the world does run on money. I didn't invent the world, but like, um, and it goes into this, like, why are people not defending? And I'm not saying people are doing a bad job. I'm not saying people aren't trying in terms of like, this isn't a negative statement. It's just an honest statement of if not, if I think, and uh, I think um, Dave Kennedy actually uses a similar stat. So hopefully me and Dave are not completely uh, a million miles apart. Why are we saying 80, 90% of security postures are really, really bad? Now, no one, uh, people do say it, but there's not a lot of focus on it in terms of, I don't think there's appropriate comms. And I think it's, uh, is it because people were scared of saying things are bad? Hell, I've designed systems and I've looked back in time and gone, hell, that was bad. Why did I do that? Like, I didn't realize that that config could be exploited in that way. Like, I think in the cyberspace, there's this idea that you can be like perfect and that you'll be all knowing and omnipotent and I'm not. And I, I, I go into lots of orgs and I go and look at their networks and their people process and deck, um, you know, and I, I don't work with like small, uh, inconsequential stuff. Right. So sometimes I'm looking at really serious stuff and what people say and what, <laughs> what's that people aren't being honest and i don't mean honest for the negative side i mean honest in a here's where we've got better here's what we've got in place strategically long term there's loads of good stuff around education about cyber awareness i mean hell we've even got a whole month dedicated to the thing um and there's money being put into you know like the the, the initiative of cyber first for the uk and the csc all this great stuff and it's all like the long-term foundational bits absolutely but 
I'm seeing gaps where I'm like, cool, like the attack surface here. You know, if you're going to tell someone you're going to cyber punch them, you probably should make sure that you've got a shield first, right? Um, and I'm not seeing the shields. I'm seeing that I reckon I reckon someone could take that out pretty quickly if they were motivated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I try not to have conversations. Uh, I try and be measured and balanced in, in like how I talk about attack surfaces and how I talk about this stuff, right? Because I think it can scare people as well. Hell, it scares me sometimes. I go and look at some stuff, and I'm like, Jesus, how is this still? Uh, how is this online? Is it pwned? And like, mm -hmm. and that's another bit that you know, there is a probability factor in here. Just because something is vulnerable, does not mean it's exploitable. Just because it's exploitable doesn't mean someone has exploited it. It also doesn't mean they will exploit it. I literally build honeypot networks where I've, I've done this with entire like simulated full networks. So uh, DMZs, application servers, backend active directories, workstations, development machines, like the, you know, lots. Like, and I'm sitting there going, cool, I've just exposed RDP on port 4995 and the passwords shit and the, the usernames like scanner. And I'm sitting there watching all the logs because you put telemetry around all of this because it's fun to watch. And I'm like, I'm bored. There's no one touching it. And so I break in every day. I'm like, is it still vulnerable? And sometimes stuff doesn't get hit. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird, you know, you have to have, you have to have the right alignment of stuff. Like there's the, a lot of people say, like, uh, defenders have got to be right every day. Um, an attacker only has to be right once. For an attacker to be right, it, there's usually about uh, a minimum of seven things that have to have gone systemically wrong and all have to be in alignment for things to work. Yeah. So if you get into someone's like uh, perimeter network, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to move. Like People do not talk about how difficult some of this stuff is. In 90%, uh, let's say 90% of networks, it is a problem. Like you know, you can move everywhere, and it's ridiculous. And you know, I, I've um, been doing testing, and they've had a managed SOC, twenty-four-seven coverage, and I'm sitting there running tools, laughing. I'm, I'm going to the customers. Have you got an alert yet? <laughs> They're like, no. I'm like, cool. Let's run some more tools. And I'm like, have you got an alert yet? And I was like, I got eight. I got like the main admin an hour ago. I've put out a GPO and all your machines are now not ransomed because that'd be ridiculous. But like, I'm like, I could do that and no one's, no one knows. So I think there's, I think because of the complexity of how this stuff works and the probabilities and the, the reality that it's not all just an architecture diagram with security or SOC on it. When you get into the nitty gritty, I think that like, it's really complicated. And then it goes back to this communication piece. Anyone that's worked in sales will know that if you try and sell something complicated, it's a lot bloody harder than if you try and sell something simple. So, yep. and, and, but I think that we, we're at risk from a society point of view of oversimplifying everything and then making the wrong calls because the hard calls are hard and the decision-making on complex complexity is more complex. But that's my kind of view of the world. Let's um let's dial the the wheel back a little bit. I have one question. What what where did you start and how did you get into this world? Doom. 
the, the old one, like the DOS version. Um, the do you remember yeah, Dangerous I mean, Dave? What's that? Dangerous Dave. Remember Dangerous Dave? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I might have to Google that in a minute. Right? I'll have a look. Back, back yeah. in the days of DOS games. So I used to play Wolf 3D. Um, oh wow! I used to have an Amiga. I'm one of those like uh, afterburner on the spectrum where you have to use bloody um, cassettes. And like to, to to start the game, you had to rewind the cassette because you didn't from the last time you played it. And then you put cassette one in, and you're on the runway. And then you get to the end of the runway, and you put cassette two in, and then you, you take off, and then cassette three when you launch a missile. Like I, I started playing games when I was a kid. Um, and I really wanted to be a game designer. And I used to make some Half-Life levels and did stuff in Worldcraft and Quake and Doom levels. And I'm really bad at all of that stuff, right? But <laughs> um, I really liked technology. I really liked, um, I can't remember how old I was. I was really young and I went and killed malware like on using floppy drives. Um, and I really like helping people. So like all this stuff is like, that's what made me sort of get into this space like the the security world and the the it world people have got very i think odd views because it and security and technology it's all pretty much the same stuff right there's completely different mindsets lenses and, and skills and specialities absolutely but what we're talking here is about how do we secure people using computers we're not saying how do we uh how do we put a flak jacket on someone and, and a kevlar helmet and Give, give them a rifle we're saying how do we protect people on computer systems um so that's really where my journey started is a kid playing games learning how to code badly um doing like level editing and graphics design stuff and 3d modeling and all the stuff i'm pretty bad at um and exploring computers that way and then obviously when you're a kid you like to break things because who doesn't um and then from a professional point of view, like I, I was in a, um, done lots of different roles in tech, uh, but I moved quite quickly into design roles. So I was designing solutions and re, re-architecting uh, and understanding businesses and looking at the really fun parts like the operating model and the organizational structure and uh, the finances, the portfolio and uh, the ROI and all of the bits that you need to be doing because without any of the logistics resources, uh money and drive and motivation to do anything you aren't going to be playing with some cool technology mm -hmm. right yeah you know this stuff doesn't exist in isolation i find a lot of people i think like to exist in isolation um and it's really fun to look at something like you know a bit like the downloading the internet joke that's fun and then i sit there going like, okay great like uh what do i do with this information one of which will obviously try and help people um, but then the second part is that I was sending a marketing angle to it. Um, and it doesn't mean, don't get me wrong, loads of the stuff I do, I might write a blog post and the blog post shits on, sits, on, sits on SharePoint. <laughs> um, sorry, Ed. The, um, and it doesn't always get released, right? So there is that sort of point. But that's really where, where I started with games. Uh, I was going to join the army when I was younger, uh, but decided not to for a whole whole. A uh, host of reasons, um, and then started working uh, professionally at a young age, and now do weird cyber stuff and crazy experiments and and 
I, you know, I, people ask me what I do, and I'm like, I haven't got a clue uh, what I do. But go, go and try and help people defend against the cyber baddies. Well, that's that. That leads to my next question. What are the three most important things you'd say to someone who wants to get into this industry? Let's say that the the three must dos are three. You know. Uh, let's say characteristics or, or characteristics or attributes that someone should adopt so, to get into this. So I think uh, having an open mind is really important. You know, uh, you don't break into stuff by doing things the way they're meant to be done. Uh, so being inquisitive, uh, being challenging, asking questions, being mindful of what people say versus what's real. You may come into the industry and people will tell you that everything's amazing and that their cybers are, are, are solid. They might not be, right? And that's, I think, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot in the industry. And I think that doesn't help, you know, this idea of uh, mythical, uh, mythical, all-knowing, omnipotent positioning. It's, it's not real. So, like, I, I think get grounded, speak to different people, um, make sure you've got, Good, a good set of inputs um and also like be realistic uh we obviously work in a really booming industry uh you know depending on obviously country and location all of it you know the money isn't always particularly awful is it uh but also be realistic right like oh, i see some people talk about money like i sit there going can you go and look at the average salary for people and go and walk down the road and speak to someone and, you know, be, be realistic about this stuff, right? We, you know, yep. <clears throat> I think people sometimes believe their own hype a little bit too much, right? In the end, that you know, there's nurses and doctors and teachers and, and, and you know, there's people in society. Cybersecurity is not the most important thing in the world, right? But it is also really vital. So mm. I think... This, this, this is a balancing thing. So get good inputs. You know, don't expect to know everything. No one knows everything. Be humble. Ask questions. Share knowledge. You know, don't be a dick. Um, is, is pretty much my, you know, piece on that. Because it's, it's really difficult. It's really broad. It's really fast-paced. It's really fun. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, and I, I say this, Jason Bourne, uh, uh, Effect. but some weeks i'm like i'm going through my like my list of what i've been working on i'm like that's really cool scary never thought i'd be saying that ever in my life so there's like opportunities to do really cool stuff but in the end it's like these are computer systems right you can you can install a, a hypervisor and, and install some software and connect to a cloud service that, that's what people use so it's like you know, there aren't, generally speaking, magic. There is no magic, unfortunately. I like, I love Harry Potter and, uh, and Lord of the Rings, but like, computers are science. There's humans. There's the real world, and then there's films. So, like, you know, like the films for what they are, and appreciate them for for their for the art and the fun. But also, like, it's science, man. Like, people run SharePoint servers. People run Windows backends. You know 
make sure you've got a broad lens and you've got a reality check because i see some people and i'm like yeah that's not how business works that's not how society works that's not generally how computer systems in in those scenarios work so it's insane i think um (laughs) i think i think one of the commonalities so i've I've been doing these uh these kind of conversations podcasts for 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 a little while now and i think one of the most um common traits that everyone from different parts of this spectrum whether it's cdi whether it's whether it's malware analysis whether it's uh you know uh law enforcement kind of intelligence defense intelligence one of the most important things that we come across is curiosity yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. everyone's talking about you need to be a little curious you need to ask a few more questions and and i think it's interesting because the more you ask questions the more information you get as well and right now especially after the pandemic and i think i think you know the pandemic also sort of increased the amount of communication information that's coming into everyone you know uh, there's like information overload like notification overload there's information overload as well so it's 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 kind of like how do you put everything into the right bucket and then make those connections to really figure out okay this is maybe what i should have been doing or maybe that's not what i should have been doing just like you did uh, or just like you said, like when when you look back at some of the configurations you were thinking of, you know, ba- back in the day, like wow, this would have led me to a really serious vulnerability now. Yeah, and I mean, imposter syndrome should be embraced from my point of view, and it's okay to get stuff wrong. It's okay to go down a rabbit hole. That's our job, right? We are not there. There is no. We're not in the map game, right? We're not in the. Here's a here's a set of steps you need to follow, uh, and you're going to get to the destination, right? Because we're looking for stuff that doesn't exist, or we're developing stuff that doesn't exist, or we're looking for stuff that we don't know, or that you know, is not common. Even if it's common, it's complicated, right? Run a procmon on a box on, on Windows and see how many events occur when you do nothing to it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's constantly changing um, at an individual by like, node level, so. You know, I don't think that this is the whole be curious, don't expect to be right all the time and, and ask questions, right? Like, because not everyone knows. Yeah. We don't know lots of answers in this industry. We, we talk like we do. But honestly, we don't. We don't have omnipotent data sets. No one mm-hmm. does. You know, I go back yeah. to my Jason Bourne thing. Yes, you can put a lot of data together. Does it stop all the bad stuff happening in the world? Nope. Does it stop some of it? Sometimes. If you're, if you're lucky, I think. If you're lucky. And a lot of this yeah. stuff can be retrospective, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, go and look at the logs. Yeah, what, what logs? <laughs> no, pre- <laughs> you know, precisely. Like, and, and this is where I was getting it. In. We've got a long way to go. And that's good because it's, this stuff's really fun. But we need to get the right we need to get the right changes in in society. I can't remember the numbers, but like if you go and look at tenders, go and go to a government website, whatever country probably, and look at the scoring percentage security gets in tenders, and look at the percentage. Look at the number of people in the world, and then look at the number of IT people or technology people, and then look at the number of cybers people. It's a thin wedge. That's an interesting uh, 
angle of attack, actually, when you mentioned uh, looking at those tenders. It's very interesting. Well, I have a question. I don't know the answer to this. How many goodies are there? I love these phrases as well. I do them on purpose as well because I think threat actor and everything gets rather boring. So it's much better to talk about pews, baddies, and goodies than it, uh, especially if I want to speak to people that don't speak security lingo. Um, how many threat actors are there? And I'm not talking about just like uh, nation states and just serious organized crime. How many threat actors are there? There's probably more than people would like to admit. How does that sit like in the geopolitical spectrum? How many defenders are there at country levels? How many attackers are there at country levels? How many people in your organization are defending? How many people are attacking? Like, it, it, like putting it into context of what's around you in your scenario, I think is really important. And you can reverse engineer the hell out of stuff. Go and read some annual reports and uh, bear with accounting processes, obviously, to so take it all with a pinch of salt. That's pretty much a life lesson, isn't it? Uh, everything isn't usually as you would expect it to be, nor as you think it is. Um, mm. But you can reverse engineer stuff and, and look at like, OK, well, what is it? And then what do we need to win? A major thing I find, um, uh, I do quite a bit of work of estimation theory and literal estimations. Most people do not have a clue how long something takes to do. Uh, and most people's priorities, like if we look at the CIA triad, it's usually availability, integrity, and then confidentiality. If, you, if That's from a security perspective. I asked the same thing on LinkedIn, and everyone said integrity is really important. And I'm fairly sure that's because they meant whether they are personally have good integrity, right? I wasn't asking that. I was asking about system data and uh, integrity. M most people do not operate out of malice on purpose. Uh, most people don't sit there and ignore, like underinvest in cyber on purpose. But it's definitely not where people, it's not where it needs to be. And it's not where people, I think, think it is. Um, Yes, I think it's grossly underestimated as well as overestimated somehow. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's a really good way of putting it. Um, and again, and this isn't to say we need to stop chasing baddies because we need to keep mm -hmm. doing it. We need to do more of it. We need to be prosecuting what we know. We know as an industry an awful lot of stuff. We can't take down some pretty easy stuff. Being honest about it, right? You spin up a honeypot and check your logs for a bit, do some uh, analysis against the, the, the connections, go and do some uh, good old-fashioned investigation work, and then work out what you're going to do with the information you've got. And the answer to that suddenly becomes a lot grimmer. I think humans, I think we try and do stuff that's easy. Hell, I do, right? Like, is it easy to go and, like, tackle all the real hard security problems in society? Hell no, it's not. Is it easy to defend networks? Is finding out the flaws easier than fixing them? Hell yes. Is chasing baddies and making cartoons about them easier than defending against them? Probably. Right? Like, and is it easier to sell using one thing? Is it the right thing to sell? given the challenges of society. And I don't think we've got the balance right. I don't think we've got it completely wrong either. I, I mean, human-wise, the number of people in this industry, uh, they're amazing. Like, the people I meet are, fa like, fantastic. 
I very rarely have a bad experience from a people point of view, and that's even with our, our you know, our nerd culture uh, element mm. to it. But I think as a, when you abstract this stuff up, you know, as a society, we've got challenges, and I think how we tackle those today is important. And I think it's going to take hell. I'll be dead, right? I will not be on this planet. Um, our, our, our cyber journey is is going to be long. So what yep. we do now is important because the the, you know, the better we do things today, the the more benefit of the the next generation. Um, and I'm talking about people, kids, families, mm. like friends, like the people that I, we care about. The better they will be if we do our jobs good today. But in the end, that's why I'm like, why why does anyone do this stuff? I can't talk for anyone else. I do this stuff because. I don't want property getting pwned. I don't want my mum getting um, fished and scammed. I, I don't want my friends getting done. And I don't want people to be... It's horrible. Like, in instance, you feel sick. Like, and I'm talking about private, like, you know, personal instance will make people feel sick. And there yep. is significant harm. If someone starts, gets in your phone and, uh, and you've got videos you don't want to be public, and start, you know, extorting you, etc. You're into a world of pain at a single person level. When we go to a country level and society level, you know, it's awful. And that's ignoring the ransomware part of things, right? Like that's, you know, whether we're destroying something or not. But what you can, the damage you can do with data, is immense, and, and it is a personal thing, right? It, it's yeah. A a hospital uh, or a medical company gets pwned and they lose all your data mm-hmm. you, nowhere, you, you, you couldn't well legally you generally can't defend against it it's all very well and good giving facebook the wrong information but like you, you can't give the like medical services the wrong information about you oh what's your blood type oh i said they check that but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you can't defend and there's a lot of stuff that could cause you significant harm off the mm-hmm. back of it. So, like, I want to make sure people have got way better to cyber defences. That's that's generally my view on stuff is how do we help protect people? How do we help protect their families? How do we help protect their businesses? And how do we protect their vital services? And, and that's sort of what makes me do weird stuff like, say, let's try and download the internet as a joke. Um, or why, why are we going to go and look at stuff that other people may not be looking at? You know, it, it's time consuming. This stuff is not, this is really difficult to say this part as well, because there's there's this balance, isn't there, of how do you have a, a, a realistic work-life balance? How do you, you know, and people will take the, the mech out of people, right? They will abuse people from uh, how much effort they put in. Yeah. But how do you take, how do you put a million microscopes everywhere? Maybe a million is the wrong phrase. Maybe it needs to be significantly higher. But we need to put microscopes all over the place, and that requires someone looking at them because all the machine learning in the world isn't going to solve the problem of um, of cybercrime. Yeah, and no, I think I think we, this philosophical discussion could also go on for hours. If I, if I can be very honest with you, because there's so much that is left to be explored, and so much that is left unanswered in all in in this entire industry as well. Um, so, I mean, even even coming off. Uh, one of our own conferences in Munich, uh, we, we, we were speaking to a lot of investigators 
who were talking about the fact that even teenagers are getting sextorted, you know, and, and, and it's a crazy, it's a crazy world out there because it happens on a daily basis. Yeah. And this yeah, is the yeah, other yeah. world, the, the other part of the cyber world as well. You know, what's happening with all this data? Where's it going? What's, what, how's it protected? Who's doing what to protect it anyways? It is a problem. And it's unfortunate to say it like that, isn't it? It's a, it's a problem with a positive point of it's that we're sitting on, <laughs> we're sitting here now talking about it. There's an entire industry. There are thousands, I don't know how many people there are, but like probably millions of people, or at least hundreds of thousands of people in the world who are daily getting up and saying, right, I'm going to, you know, I want to be a cybersecurity professional. I want to go and keep people safe and I want to go and um, help. And that's fantastic. But it is difficult. It's like a sales funnel and like a cone, right? You've got a billion things of data being poured in and what is important and what is not. And, you know, I, I did some stuff there recently, which is like uh, a waterline of what actually happens. If you're a five million pound business and you get ransomware, what do you do if you've done nothing before, right? Mm -hmm. who, who do you call and what do you do and what are they going to, who's going to come and save you? And the answer is no one is going to come and save you. You're going to get a crime reference number, your insurance company, if you have a policy that covers it, will do whatever they do in terms of uh, remuneration after the event. You will need to go and probably source uh, some instant response. You can contact, uh, you know, you're not going to get the, the cyber cavalry is not rolling in for you unless you get your checkbook out. And, and even then, there's obviously generally a limited amount of support you can give, right? You know, someone isn't largely going to wave a magic cyber wand that doesn't exist and make all your problems go away. Um, and I think that like making people understand what the, the, the risks are, what the threats are, what they need to be doing and the guidance from like, um, this stuff, the NCSC UK, uh, scissor in the U S there's loads of guidance out there on this stuff. We're not reinventing wheels, mm -hmm. but what we haven't got is the right investment there's not the right investment in organizations, right? The, 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 the quality level, I'll use quality on this. I don't think people quite realize where they are. And I have a job that means telling people where they are and, and that goes down really well sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't go down so well. Um, and most people just don't know because there are hugely constrained IT teams. There's hugely I mean, security teams are, uh, they exist in managed service providers and they exist in some uh, particular sectors. And for most companies, they don't have a security team. Um, yeah. Or at least they don't have, you know, you're talking about something that on paper, uh, and it's usually true to an insurance requirement. Someone has said, oh, the chief information, uh, like data protection officer is this board member, CFO or someone they've got responsibility for it and that's <laughs> and that's it <laughs> yeah so like, we have got huge you know i don't know what the skills gap stuff is and then it does drive me a little bit nuts because again marketing um but we have got <laughs> gaps in companies and these capabilities and it's it's money right and, and yeah. hell if i could do this stuff for free i'd do it for free right this is fun um but like 
the world runs on money. So it's like, if you don't have the right, uh, if you haven't got the right investment profile and the right portfolio of money to su support your technology and your security requirements, you're going to have a really hard time doing things. And money needs to involve people looking at systems. And, you know, I don't think people have quite got the, I don't think they quite realise, you know, just because if you didn't do anything before, no, mm. no shock. If you don't do something and then you do something, it usually costs more money. Yep. And I, I honestly, and I, I talked to you're talking, I've been working now for 20 odd years, right? These are not new conversations. This is not revolutionary stuff. I've been doing maturity assessments and audits and health checks and reviews and designing and implementing and operating and doing all this stuff for 20 odd years. And I speak to uh, colleagues and friends who are older than me and it's, it's, you know, it's not new this. I'm not coming out of anything like, Oh my God, we didn't know this mm. um, as, as an industry. I don't think we talk about the stuff very well. I think our communications are sometimes, um, not right and maybe that's because i live in a world of bad stuff and you know i do get that we need to be positive and i, I you know i think i am a positive person at this stuff but if you ignore the realities and just focus on jolly hockey sticks and everything it doesn't fix the world it, it just makes someone's two-year tenure at somewhere successful that actually doesn't resolve the issues right like and I go into orgs and I'm looking at 10 years worth of technical debt with, you know, 2008 R2 boxes or worse uh, in stuff that you really wouldn't want this stuff. And I'm like, this is, this is not a, this is not a two minute venture to come in and throw a few, few, uh, a few quid. And I mean, like, this isn't going to be fixed in a hundred grand. It's going to be fixed with millions and I need it over uh, a five year period. And then the cash flow needs to look like this. And that's what your security spend needs to look at. And people fall off their chair sometimes. Yeah, it, it's a scary cost to uh, to put everything back in order, especially when you've started with, you know, one of these little IBM boxes sitting in the corner of your office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but what, what people, and, I, and this bit I don't get, right? And it's because of my exposure like, as well, but like, I don't know what people expect sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, so you've not spent any money. Like, we'll go and look at the financial data. You've not spent any money for 10 years. Probably going to need to spend some money. And sometimes they're like, well, surely you can't. You know, I, I, the words that I get back from people, and I mean this in a positive way. This isn't like an insult to anyone. The words I get back, I'm like, I don't know what to say to you, mate. That's not how finance, business, technology, or any of this stuff works. Without money, you are not going to be doing any change. And it's all business change. If you think about the business side of it, right, it's easier to... But even if you look at, All of this is about change and technology integration into society, into organisations, into teams, into people, into processes. Like, And change doesn't occur just because you go, oh, I would love everything to... Oh, I'd love to have 10 Ferraris. Cool. Yeah. What are you going to do to go and get them? And it's a bit like with go-to-markets on new product, right? I, I, my friends and I 
we come up with really cool ideas. We build POCs. Sometimes they release stuff, you know, like, but there's a lot of stuff, right? The idea could be amazing. The technology could be wonderful. It could be useless. Could be useless. Could be sitting, a bit like the IBM box. Yeah. <laughs> it could be sitting on the digital shelf collecting dust. I've been asked before, after scanning significant numbers of assets, very quickly afterwards, what are the top five things for us to fix? And I said, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like I, I don't know, man. It depends, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it depends if it's a long-term customer or if it's a, a short-term engagement or what, you know. But this happens a lot. Right. And I'm like, I, I don't know your business. I mean, I, I talk to people I mean, we did like a uh, transformational piece. I sit there and say to people, how long do you use your probationary period stand for in a contract? If you hire someone, mm-hmm. is it three or six months? So in two weeks, for example, what do you think someone's going to be able to tell you about your business that you don't already know? And how do you think you're going to be able to come up with an answer of what to do off the back of, like I don't do this, but like let's say you did a day, and I've seen this in the world where a sale, a sales organisation will parachute a technical person into an org. Uh, they'll do a day's workshop, and then a roadmap will be produced. <laughs> yeah, that's you can see why I laughed. Right, like yeah, uh, like, okay, you're like okay, I found uh, fifty thousand vulnerabilities and a uh, hundred thousand criticals across. 20,000 assets, I have no idea what you should do, mate. I think what you should do is put together a financial package and a structure that says, right, what's really important to me? A, make sure you've got some money, right? Without any money and resources, it doesn't matter whether you identify five things or 500, you won't be able to fix them. And then sit there and go like, run through the process of saying, cool, we need a project, we need to go and get the, the, the right support from leadership. We need the right support from the board. We need the right money to do the actual net, like to do the what next bit. Yep. And look at the money of it, right? Like there's no point in, I say there's no point. Everything depends in this world, but that caveat aside, if you sit there and look through a service portfolio and you go through your CRMs, your ERPs, your management systems, your finance, your payroll, if you're like, cool, that payroll system is like super ancient and it's, you know, you can pwn it all day long and you're replacing it, you might sit there and make a decision that says, I don't care that it's not batched. You, you might shore it up. You, you might, you know, isolate it on the network, but you might not. Because if you've got a team of five people to look after something, like your infrastructure, and someone's just walked in and said, you've got a bazillion vulnerabilities, and they're already maxed out because almost every org I've been into, I don't think I've ever walked into an org and gone, is everyone bored sitting around doing nothing? Yep. Never. Yep. Right? Yep, exactly. I have always found situations where there are some individuals sitting around doing nothing. That's always fun. Um, but largely speaking, teams are overutilized as it is, and that's with their 90% having a bad posture. So then you throw on a bucket load of vulnerabilities and uh, security requirements and contractual, you know, what, who's doing it? Yep. And sometimes that is the answer. The answer is silence. 
Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, let me just uh, walk out of this place with a briefcase full of cash. Or yeah, a briefcase my... full of reports, one of the two. It's going to be... Well, yeah, one of I think, and this is why I'm using the word despair, right? Because I don't ever hear it. But mm -hmm. I have it sometimes. And my missus says to me, like, you know, some people would go crazy. I have it some days where I'm like, oh, this is tough. Like, I don't win every battle, right? I don't go to every single board or every single, like, exec and then say, yes, absolutely, we're, we're, we're game, let's do it. No one yeah. does. There is no, like, infallible Gandalf-level security professional. Um, no one gets all the budget they need all the time. Like, it's just not... Uh, these are not realistic things. And with all the budget in the world, if you look at some of the breaches, I won't bother trying to remember every name, but we see orgs that have got significant security postures, that have got significant uh, investment, and they're still getting pwned. Mm -hmm. The problem with this bit is that then you have the people saying, oh, well, there's no point in spending any money because even they can't get it right. Well, that's yeah. a really not sensible, mature way of looking at investing in stuff, right? And hence why I'm like, this is about quality to your customers. This is about protecting your business. It's about protecting your value delivery chain. I'm not just saying spend money. You know, go through and do contract reviews and find out what you've, your business has legally said it will do with its contract to, like, obligations. That's always really fun. Because I, I can't think of any contract I've really read, don't get me wrong, it's yeah. an old one, but like most contracts ask you to protect the data. Mm -hmm. They do. So when people like, it's weird, there's a few things I find that most people have got contractual obligations, they should probably read a little bit closer. Most people, if you're in public sector or all that kind of space, that people will say you haven't got any money. Well, go look at your reports, you'll find out you've got quite a lot of money. Maybe it's not being spent in the right places. Maybe you haven't got the right lens. Maybe I haven't got the right lens as well, right? Like, but if we're talking about how do we give people digital technology and let them enable them to do their their business and their, their activities in a fast, safe, and efficient manner, sounds pretty, I'd want that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just weird. Again, I think from a society, fiscal markets, general point of view where we talk in uh, you know sorry marketing that's getting a total bashing today but i know I, right? it's one of those days i don't think you're going to get your swag man because it, it's a marketing <laughs> <thing. laughs> but i mean it, different orgs have completely different approaches as well right like some orgs are really good and some some are less so um but if we're telling everyone that everyone's doing this and they're not doing that, and if we're saying, oh, you need this amazing cybers and it will protect you from your TLS weaknesses, mm -hmm. it's like, it's not helping people. It's just getting money out of people. And this is the bit that sometimes it's really hard to recognize the good from the bad. Right? That's definitely an insert GIF moment, right? Like, yep. there are people who are operating... And the question has to be said, are we the baddies, right? That's like, uh, that's, that's, I think it's a good question to ask. I ask myself when I'm doing stuff, if I'm, especially if I'm doing research, right? 
But even when I'm doing stuff with customers inside networks, I am not going to go pilfering through someone's files if I can avoid doing it, right? If my objective is to get into the server and I'm like, my risk point is I'm going to have to go through someone's digital trash and mm -hmm. it's their personal digital trash, I probably won't look at it, right? Yep. Yep. Like there is ethics, morals and whatever phrasing that we've got to think, why are we here? What are we trying to do? How are we helping people? And, and don't get me wrong, because the answer is, there's always a person, but when I'm helping myself because I want to get paid or I want my business to grow or, you know, whatever, right? But there should always be, I think, a little bit of check and balance to say, like, is this really the way we need to do it? And does it really help? And countering that with the, well, yeah, this is, again, philosophy of this stuff's fun, isn't it? If it's all screwed anyway, I may as well do it. <laughs> Unbelievable, Daniel. Uh, I think that 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 that's a good point to end on for today. Uh, but I think we could go down this philosophical rabbit hole for a while. Um, it, it's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate your message. Uh, let me let me um, talk to the girls at marketing to. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome though. The um... <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've really had fun. I don't run around trying to get onto webinars and podcasts and stuff. I'm I'm probably the opposite. I get asked to do stuff, and I sit there going like, "Do I want to do it? Is it helpful?" to people right like i try and pick stuff so for me this has been like super fun i really like your message that and i think um i think everyone needs to pick up on resiliency and being a little bit smarter about not just about how they protect data but also how they protect the individuals in their in their companies how people need to protect themselves uh you know in in the cyber realm that we're in uh there's there's so much left to be desired you seem to have a pretty similar like mindset to me as well, right? Like, this is about helping people. So how do we yeah. do that? Like, and this is where look, like, I, I love all the gadgets, right? Like, and this is why, you know, I was gutted. I wanted to get, I've got like my Montego, uh, I think it's A1. Like that poster you guys made for me when I yeah. um, won that competition, right? And I wanted to put that up on my wall and the frames arrived and it sounds stupid, obviously. We won't tell anyone how long ago the, the poster arrived versus the frame. Um, but like, it's really cool because there are, there is like, there's space to make a difference. There's space to have, you know, I was talking about that balance and stuff on how do we be good? And how do we, you know, how do we, you know, we all were in business. We all have to feed our families. How do we do it in the right way? So like, to me, like, there's goodies and there's baddies and then there's in between. So you yeah. guys are, uh, you guys are good, right? Good stuff. Uh, you keep finding the good fight, man. And um, I appreciate your time. It's been it's been wonderful having you on. Uh, and all I can say is thank you. And uh, perhaps right. around two sometime. Cool. Nice one. Cheers, Brad. Cheers, Dan. You take it easy. <laughs>